Okay, Lucy, so you just floated for the first time ever. Uh, what did you think of your first experience? All right. Um, so my name is Luciana. Lucy, I uh, floated for the first time. I am a yoga instructor, amongst other things. And uh, I had this great opportunity. Christian um, allowed us to come here and experience this. Um, it was a absolutely an absolutely blissful sensation um in the beginning it's important to center ourselves and to just be with what is it was a little hard for me in the beginning to relax my head neck and shoulders to surrender completely and uh, for the first three to five minutes, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to last here an hour. But the hour passes like magic. It's more like 15 minutes. Once you allow your body to just surrender to the water um, and to even play a little bit with the water, allowing your body to do what it wants, the first, I think, 10, 15 minutes are more about your physical body and allowing you to be comfortable and exploring uh, the water and the density. And then through the breath, um, you really get deeper into your meditation. So it's something that I can spend hours here trying to describe, but you really have to feel it for yourself. It's a sensory experience more than anything. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. All right, Daniel, so this was your first ever float? Yes. What, what, what are your thoughts after your first float? I'll take it this way. My feelings after the first float are amazing, relaxed. It was a huge trust exercise for me, like really, really being able to lay there and trust that it's okay to relax, really trust that I'm worth the time really trust that I'm worth receiving this and making time for me. And that feels like bubbles from my toes to the base of my neck. 100% recommend this to anybody who breathes. <laughs> cool, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Appreciate it. Absolutely. What's up, everybody? This is Christian. Um, so yeah, you just heard a couple of our first testimonials. We're going to be um, sharing that kind of stuff more on the podcast. I think that's a really cool idea. Um, help people, you know, well, just connect people to real live, you know, examples of people who are floating and give you a little insight into what it's all about. Um, another thing to add there is that if anybody wants to just record their own and send it in that's even easier and uh you can make it i would say keep it under a minute that'd be sweet you can uh email that into me um at podcast at tnfloat.com so email uh, an audio clip 30 seconds to a minute uh if you'd like to podcast at tnfloat.com and if you're listening on anchor I believe Anchor actually has a tool there, right there from the app, where you can send a voice message, uh, an audio recording, right there from Anchor. So that's an option too. But yeah, totally share your experience with 
with floating, whether it's just one float first time or whether it's uh, your journey through the process that's kind of unfolded so far or whatever. Um, and also, if you want to share anything else that's not about floating or your experience with floating, I'm down for that too. I think that's a really cool way to, uh, you know, connect uh, each other. Just realize that we're all um, we're all here. Like there's other human beings in the world who are tuning into the same channel. They're tuning into the same sort of frequency. We're all sort of um, interested in similar things. And it's cool to just kind of share uh, something and make yourself heard. And <laughs> it makes it way cooler for me because I don't want to be the only motherfucker talking on this podcast. <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, I'm stoked about the... Um, episode today. So I had a conversation with Ryan Brinkerhoff. He is the owner of Inside Out Hyperbarics here in St. George, Utah. And um, they're located over at the Coral Desert Medical Center over by the hospital uh, on Rivers, on Format, by, 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 uh, by Formaster Ridge. So um, Inside Out Hyper, Hyperbarics and it's insideouthyperbarics.com if anyone wants to check them out um, after hearing this conversation. But I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, ever since I met Ryan, he's been like, we've kind of been right on the same wavelength, hit it off right away. He's highly motivated and super enthusiastic dude about what he's doing, which is helping people. And so I'm stoked to know him and our conversation was awesome. Um, we dug into a, a few topics like, uh, well, first we kind of talked about my first ketamine experience, which I had recently. Um, and, and I got an exciting, uh, episode coming up, um, with Scott Allen, who's the, uh, owner of Satori health here in St. George and he does ketamine therapy. So that's going to be a, an interesting conversation I'm excited for. Um, anyways, with inside out, um, and, and Ryan, um, we talked about the new research that, uh, is coming out of Israel about hyperbarics and the anti-aging effects of hyperbaric use. Um, including lengthening of telomeres, which is really fascinating new data that they're getting in, basically showing that hyperbarics kind of like making people younger. I mean, it's literally making your telomeres longer and reducing aging or anti-aging. So I uh, also talked about Ryan's incredible journey uh, through healing his Lyme's disease and Lou Gehrig's disease. He went through an incredible, like hardcore process um, several years, I believe, where he just kind of had to, you know, his health kind of hit rock bottom and he had to claw his way out. And it was really, um, amazing to hear, you know, like a, a testimony like that of somebody who's, who's healthy now and, you know, who's gone through the ringer. Um, and it's a testament to everything that he's doing, uh, with, you know, authentically trying to turn around and, and help others, um, knowing what it's like to be at the bottom with your health, you know, and to be, you know, have, have life put you through the ringer. Um, when he talks about the, his life while he was, you know, fighting these diseases, it just kind of like, it was crazy to me because I've never had to go through, go through anything that intense and, uh, all pervasive, you know, where it just kind of like takes away from every other aspect of your life. You know, I sit here and I <laughs> whine about my hip problem or my knee, my knees being creaky or whatever, you know, and, um, just gives you perspective, I guess, than how much health we really have, um, and makes you take it for, you know, not take it for granted and definitely makes me feel grateful, but also grateful for 
for Ryan for having uh, gone through his journey and uh, you know giving back the way he is right now with his business, um, helping helping others. It's really awesome. So we talked also about how health is crucial to true wealth and how you really don't have anything without it and you can't be your best self without it. And um, also we talk about like alternative health care and questioning the status quo in medicine and in life. Um, all in all, is an, ama- an amazing conversation. I had a great time. I'm sure at some point probably have Ryan back on the podcast. But uh, check him out, insideouthyperbarics.com. And uh, yeah, one more thing before we, we kick that off. Um, True North float, bitches. Come float. <laughs> we just did, um, I announced our first time floater special a couple weeks ago, and it's got an amazing response. Uh, everybody's been been buying it and um pretty much everyone who comes in now and um it's a really good deal it's three floats for 99 bucks you'll never see anyone give floats away cheaper than that and once you see our float tanks um if you floated in pods you're gonna you're gonna shake your head like how the fuck are they giving this away so cheap so uh the answer is we're doing it because we're we know you're going to be stoked about floating after three so we're just basically taking a chance and giving them away super cheap so that you can ex- get a full sort of introduction to floating. I don't think one floats enough to do it because the nature of the world right now is so stimulating that one f- 60 minutes, you know, is barely enough to start dissolving that outer shell. And so, you know, it takes a, l- a little bit of a process and you kind of have to invest in yourself and you're going to have to commit to it a little bit. But if you can make that investment in yourself and take those, those hours, you know, those three hours on, you know, bet on yourself and invest in you, uh, I'm a hundred percent confident that you'll, um, uh, at least see a glimpse or a glimmer, if not a full on <laughs> massive effect from those, those sessions. And, um, you'll be stoked to continue floating. So that's why we're doing the first time floater special for just uh, 99 bucks for three floats. Um, and I don't know if we're going to continue it past the holidays. It's, uh, it's supposed to be a special <laughs> because people want to feel like they're getting something special. They want to feel like they're getting a deal, <laughs> which is kind of funny. It's just like the human psychology thing. The reality is I just want everyone to float three times. So um, I'm happy to give people uh, a great deal to do that. But there's something about telling people it's going to end that makes people excited. So it's like this weird marketing psychology. Uh, anyways, for now, it's it's running at least through the holidays. But come in three floats, 99 bucks, um, and experience floating for yourself. And if you are, aren't stoked for any reason, I'll give you your 99 bucks back. So I'm that confident that you're going to be, uh, balls to the walls about floating at the end of three floats. Um, maybe not as kooky as I am, but you'll be stoked. So, um, without further ado, I'm going to kick it off here with Ryan Brinkerhoff from Inside Out Hyperbarics. Cheers. What do you mean by the word I? What we call reality is in fact nothing more than a culturally sanctioned and linguistically reinforced hallucination. Welcome to the True North Podcast. I don't know. I'm just at like, a, I'm a hundred and change, 105 or something like that, thousand right. miles. And um, 
my kind of game plan with this guy is to just drive it till it drops mm -hmm. and just be and like not drive it not not take it easy like that's kind of right. always been my my mindset with it is like ever since i bought it i've been like i bought this thing to have fun right and i've taken it all over the place gotten it stuck a bunch of times and right it does really good it's it's done really good off-road like the only the only concern or the only thing I would ask for is more suspension. Yeah. As far as like an off road vehicle, it does awesome. Um, I've pulled toys with it and stuff. Like it's it's been a. I mean, my the biggest adventure we took it on was like a two month road trip around the western states and western yeah. Canada, and we just put a rooftop tent on top of it and right. just put like ten thousand miles on it going around uh, all the western states. It was an epic trip. Like that was. Uh, yeah, I've had, I've gotten a ton of memories and experiences out of it already. And I probably, yeah. I am hoping this will be my last, uh, gas vehicle. Oh, what are you going to go to electric? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Even though there's like a lot of, there's, I don't know, man, there's a lot of stigma around both because like you want to, there's a couple of reasons why you'd want to go electric. One is they're just better vehicles. Like right. they're if you've ever driven in a Tesla, it's like, it's not even comparable to a regular car. Like, well, the difference between torque between yeah. a combustion motor and electric motor, there's no comparison. Right. And so as electronic vehicle technology gets better, electric vehicle technology gets better and better. They're, they're just going to be better. And the infrastructure starts to grow for it and you right. can, you know, charge it in different areas and stuff. It's just going to, it's the future. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting a vehicle, like for instance, like a Tesla, your vehicle's updating every, you know, every year. It's it's getting better. It's getting smarter as it gets older. Right. Instead of getting obsolete. Right. Which is what happens to every, like that's planned obsolescence is built into the, the auto industry in a major right. way. So it's like the very, you know, we, we build this new $70,000 truck and then, you know, in, in a couple of months, the new right. model comes out and you lose all this value mm -hmm. and you're, you're now obsolete and it's like right. time to get the new shiny thing. And I, that's why I really like the model like with Tesla and being able to software update your vehicle and just, it gets smarter, it gets right. better and the hardware is built to last. You know? Right. Well, it's just like hardware that you have in PCs and stuff like that. I mean, you can talk to Intel and they'll tell you what their processor, their 30th processor from now is going to be able to do speed wise uh -huh. and they could do it right now if they wanted to oh really but they've got 29 others that they can sell you and make boatloads of money and then right after the new ones come out the older ones the value just plummets on them yeah and it's to i mean i, I wonder if there's like a some economics there's definitely some economics built into that like right like you know make making people want to go buy a new thing rather than having a resale market right like with tvs and stuff it's but then there's also so economics plays into it but i think also moore's law plays into it and just the fact that that kind of processing power is just doubling every 18 months or whatever it right. is right it's just I, constantly they already have it laid out how they're gonna do it but they don't want to jump from this point to that point because there's all these cells in the middle yeah you know that's it's, it's a similar what they do to road construction right like every time i go to salt lake I'm like, there's constant road construction going on and in my head. I'm like, well, if they were intelligent, instead of adding two lanes, why don't they add four? Because they're going to have to do it again later. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to do it again the next year because of the way it's growing. But 
you know what? They want to have those jobs the following summer to keep the job numbers up and everything like that. So they don't go the extra mile because they need to keep people in work. So there's constant congestion, constant road work going on. You know, you can see your projections. You know where you're going. My hell, when you got everything shut down, add an extra couple lanes there. Yeah. Well, but but think about like on a bigger scale, how many ridiculous, uh, the situations that we're in that we could easily avoid if, if our motive was to just solve the problem as opposed to keep industries, you know, keep the status quo the way it is. So an obvious example would be like, you know, world hunger or countries that are starving. And then half the, half the world's, you know, and hungry and the other half's throwing their food away. Yeah. <laughs> like in the United States, we're throwing about half of our food away. Right. So like, to me, it's, you, you have the, just the wrong incentive, but you have the wrong story behind what you're doing. Right. Right. And it's more about like an economic, you know, profit based incentive, convenience based incentive. Right. You know, as opposed to, um, you know, what's the best thing overall for a, the planet and human beings and like everybody being taken care of and seeing, right. seeing it all as sort of one thing that we're all a part of. Right. And I think we're just barely kind of approaching getting to that consciousness. Ever, I think ever since like, um, we went to space in the sixties and started seeing earth from space and that started to shift people's awareness. And now we're just way more globally connected and aware of what, what happens on like a global you know, level. Right. And then, I don't know if you've ever done like psychedelics or anything, but those also make you feel even more connected with everything. Yeah, I never actually have. I've, uh, you know, since I listen to Rogan all the time, you know, DMT is the end all say all for that guy, right? <laughs> you know, kinda, everybody's yeah. got to do that. Um, but, you know, I need to do that. But a lot of the times my mind, so uh, in astrology world, I'm a Pisces and I'm a Pisces to like the 10th power. My brain was always out in La La Land when I was growing up. Okay. Always out in La La Land. It was it was so hard for me to focus on things because of all the possibilities that could be right. going on other than what was happening right here and now. And it makes right here and now feel kind of boring. And it mundane, does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It's kind of just mundane. But I mean, I had to learn how to pull myself into here and now, you know, because I was always drifting and wandering and never had uh, really any set place for me to be. But it's it's I need to do that sometime, but it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Um, well need, I don't, I don't know if I, I I wouldn't, I used to be kind of like when I, I think everyone goes through this phase when they first have a powerful experience with psychedelics where they're just like, holy shit, we need to put it in the water supply. Like, right. Everyone needs to, we drug everyone. Everyone needs to experience this. All the world leaders need to, to to take ayahuasca or drop acid like right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I think there's a level of like need that we absolutely have, but I think it's also a a process people have to come to on their own when they're ready, right? Uh, or you're not going to have. It's not like you can. I don't think it's as simple as just plug and play, dose no. everybody, and they're all going to be more conscious and more enlightened. I think it's more like people have to be on that journey already, and then it's the tool that you need. So the right. intention going into it is everything. Because, I mean, I've talked to t- a lot of people who, you know, have dropped incredible amounts of acid just to party and you would never know. Like, they don't seem like, you know, it's not the same as someone. They don't like, have that experience. It's not the yeah. same as someone like Ram Dass, who's, yeah. you know, who was doing like Richard Alpert, yeah. like somebody who's who's doing acid and then like 
you know, drop, like walking away from his life as a professor at Harvard and, and going off to the Himalayas and like, you know, becoming yeah. a, you know, a guru yeah. <laughs> and all that kind of shit. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely different, but I, uh, the reason we had to postpone this conversation was because yesterday I, I actually did ketamine, ketamine for the first time. Yeah. Um, which if I had to like, just, I don't even know if I can put it back in like, bring it all down into like a capsule, like a little snippet Mm -hmm. (laughs) of words, but it was one of my most transcendent experiences of my life. Um, and I've, and I've been through, I've I've experienced and and experimented with several, I mean, most of the psychedelics, um, and I've had powerful experiences. So it's not to take away from any of the other experiences. It's just for some reason, and it was it was just so much easier. Like there mm. wasn't like you were talking about it scares the shit out of you. Yeah. It, for some reason, this wasn't scary at all. It was it was it was crazy. And 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 I I wonder if it's a combination of things. Probably were, because were you in a medical setting? Is that yeah. why it seemed like even though we have a lot of folks have their concerns and questions about the medical setting, but you were in one with doctors there did it make it easier yeah so it wasn't so i did it at uh satori health here in saint george okay um which uh like 10 out of five stars like like as incredible experience um but but it wasn't like a sterile metal medical environment so right. they haven't it's not like you're in this like hospital ER room or something. You're not in a clean room here. No, it's 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 a homey. It's it's nice. The vibes are great, and the people, the staff are very warm, very welcoming. I felt very comfortable from the very beginning, and by the time you're actually starting to come up on the ketamine, you're not having. I wasn't having any of these like second thoughts, like. Oh shit! Can I trust these people? Like, right. What did they give me? And like, you know, like, is this really a pure form of what they're saying? It yeah, is. But that could just also be, finally, like me being able to trust and let go. Like yes. it's been a long journey for me. Like the first times I ever did, uh, like when I went to South America and and did ayahuasca, it was all that fear about, yeah, what the fuck did I just take? Who are these people? Why am I trusting these people? They just like dosed me with poison me with something, you know, like all those fears come to the surface. And so I had to work through all that stuff. And maybe it was just a, a byproduct of me having already been through that. But this experience was just the most, uh, just easy ramp up period. Like when you, when you take a psychedelic in my experience with things like with just other, other psychedelics, usually there is like sort of a, you know, that initiate initial initial um anxious kind of phase right where you're like dealing with you know like dismantling the ego a little bit and and your ego fights like hell yeah because it doesn't want to be dismantled and so uh this was like the most subtle and smooth transition into that other state where you know you're you're kind of separate or transcendent from the ego Hmm. and that was uh i mean it was just overall an incredible powerful experience and I am beyond thrilled that ketamine therapy is legal, right? And something you can uh, inquire about and, and and look into and participate in right here in in St. George, Utah. I think it's awesome. Which you know, if you, I was actually laughing about this as I was come as I was uh, coming up on the ketamine. I was like, I turned to the nurse and I'm like, because we're in this like little pioneer building. They have this their their clinic is in this old pioneer home, like on Third North. It's it's cool. It's this tiny little quaint little home that was built forever ago. 
And I'm just sitting there laughing, like, what if the person who built this knew what it was being used for? Right. <laughs> what a were, trip that would have been, huh? Yeah, because you know they were just a Mormon pioneer. Yeah. And then now they're, you know, people are, are getting a high in their in their home. Yeah. But it was uh, it, in the most, like, seriously trans, transformative experience. It, it was, it was, like I said, it happened just yesterday, so I'm still trying to integrate and find the words for it. But it was powerful. It was right. very, very powerful. How long did it take? What was the process like? Um, it was only, a, I would say, an hour from start to finish as far as the, the, the session itself. Maybe an hour and a half total. Okay. Counting, you know, showing up, little orientation and answering questions and feeling comfortable with the nurse and all that. And then, um, you know, you get an IV. You're, you're in a nice, comfortable reclining chair playing some music and then it just the it the way that they did it was really well thought out how how you just sort of slowly ramped up into it and right it wasn't like this dramatic like drastic boom, boom. like like dmt like joe rogan talks about that's of anything i've done that is the most zero to a hundred experience hmm. you can possibly experience like it's zero to like dmt realm Ooh. like right away and so, yeah, it's, that's, that's one that you always get, I always get like, I've only done it twice, but you get super sort of jittery and nervous before you, I don't know, maybe I've done it three times. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's more, it's more intense for sure. Wow. Yeah. So I'll shy away from that one to begin with. Cause that's probably not the first one to yeah, start with, man. Cause one of the big leagues. And the, and the reality is, is like, because of the crazy state of the world and the war on drugs, you're risking a lot doing right. something like that. Whereas something like this ketamine infusion at Satori, you can just go and be taken care of by professionals, be completely legal in the, it's just, it's, it's a very valid and, uh, promising new therapy for people with depression, anxiety, right. post-traumatic stress. Um, and it's, it's only going to keep, it's like just after having experienced it myself, because I would already done some reading on it. You know, right. anytime there's new research being done about psychedelics, it gets me excited. Um, cause I know the, you know, potential and the experiences I've had with other psychedelics. And so I'm like, okay, this could be really cool. I want to experience it first before I, you know, go recommend it to anybody right. because, you know, I, I just don't really believe in just like recommending things unless I know personally. Right. You're like me. I always want to be the guinea pig before, you know, I'll yeah. go put myself through something before I even say yay or nay about anything. Exactly. So. Uh, and, and I, having experienced it, yes, a hundred percent, a thousand out of a thousand. It was, it was, uh, it was something that I, not, not, not only did I recommend it, but I know for a fact that the future has more ketamine clinics. Like there's just going to be a lot more ketamine clinics, just like there's going to be psilocybin assisted mm -hmm. therapy and MDMA assisted therapy right. in these clinics that are going to start popping up now that the FDA is uh, waking the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the fact that as a, as a country, we're starting to like uh, sh realize the war on drugs is, is lost and right. it was a horrible war in the first place. And so um, that's, that shift is, I don't think it could come any sooner if you look around at like what we're dealing with as a, as a society, as a civilization, we need some sort of catalyst. We need some tools in a hurry. Right. Right. And speaking of tools, uh, I wanted to 
get into hyperbarics with you. So you own uh, Inside Out Hyperbarics, right? Yep, I do. And that's um, that's at the Coral Desert. Yeah, Coral Desert Health Center here in St. George. Okay. And so I've been over there and, and tried that out, and that was a that was a cool experience. I I've only done hyperbarics that one time, the mm-hmm. one session, and so I haven't experienced the full like wealth of benefits that you would get in more of a long term or like right. a practice. Um, but I did read that study that you'd sent me from Tel Aviv mm-hmm. and that is, that's badass. Like that, that seems like some really powerful, uh, new cutting edge technology that has got a lot of people excited. Yeah. Um, let me just real quick read the synapses from that and then let's dig into it. Okay. Perfect. So this says a new study from Tel Aviv university and the Shamir Medical Center in Israel indicates that hyperbaric oxygen treatments in healthy aging adults can stop the aging of blood cells and reverse the aging process. In the biological sense, the adult's blood cells actually grow younger as the treatments progress. Right. So we're talking about like what the the elixir of life, <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean it, it's really interesting because you know once they discover these little these little parts of our chromosomes called telomeres. That's where all the anti-aging went, right? Everybody that was making supplements that was dealing with pharmaceuticals, they wanted to try to figure out how to get these little parts of our chromosomes to extend out. Um, and, and there's been some things in the past where they've got a little bit of growth on them, right? Well, the, the study, they basically um, put folks through 60 hyperbaric sessions. And um, after it was done, they looked at these telomere lengths again on these chromosomes, and on average, they had a 30% increase of the lengths of telomeres. And one of the uh, lead authors of the study talked about they were hoping to maybe get 5 to 7% because nothing's really ever pushed that boundary that far. And he said, when we looked at this, it literally blew our minds at how much life it added on to the uh, the length of these chromosomes. Yeah. And so to, for those of us like who are, uh, ignorant about telomeres like me, right. um, uh, the way I understand it is you're, you're, when you're born, your chromosomes have like this set length on the telomeres. And as you age, they shorten as the cells re- replicate over time mm-hmm. they, and they copy and make new cells, then the telomeres gradually get shorter and shorter as right. that process unfolds. And so, uh, some scientists actually kind of take the mindset that aging is like a disease, right? Like aging is like a condition that we could in theory cure. We mm-hmm. could, we could solve the problem. And if we just figured out how to stop that, you know, uh, shortening of telomeres or whatever you want to call it, then we would effectively solve the problem of aging. Right. Yeah. So as long as the, well, at least one problem, one side of the, one part of the equation, right? There's another side, like with senescence too, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I understand that one less. I think. Yes. <laughs> and, and I do as well. That one kind of gets way out into the uh, physiology and the molecular biology level, which I'm not a master on. But um, this side of it is really, really interesting from the standpoint of in a lot of the early hyperbaric studies they did. Um, this is the telomere thing is kind of the missing link because they couldn't figure out. They knew with the increased oxygen, the stem cell um, circulation they would get, a bunch of things like that. They could they could kind of map out why people were healing so much quicker in these chambers, but there was always this missing section to it. They're like, why is this sixty year old recovering like a twenty five year old? 
And now that this study came out, it kind of fills in that missing link. Oh, this is the biological process of why people are healing so quick in these. And it's not just somebody who's got an injury, right? I mean, people, the side effects that we see in my clinic all the time, people come out and go, yeah, I came in from migraines. My migraines are gone, but man, my skin looks so nice. Is that, does that happen a lot? My, my short-term memories come back. I'm not, I don't have that brain fog anymore that's normally there. And this is, I think this telomere lengthening is probably the reason behind all that. It's basically allowing our bodies to heal like they did 20, 30 years ago. Okay. So you think, um, I mean, obviously it's probably not super easy to measure telomere length. No. So that's probably takes a, a chunk of change to fund a study like that or, or have a lab that can test that kind of thing. Yeah. Otherwise you would just be like getting samples from all your clients I would be and measuring doing it. I'd be doing it yesterday if I could, but after looking into, um, the type of, I mean, literally you need electron microscopes to do this type of work. So you're talking about six, $700,000 microscopes on the low end, all the way up to four or 5 million. So it's the type of work that, uh, that you need to have major universities do. And then right. to find the funding, um, this is where you're going to run into that big block, right? Cause this isn't making a drug. This isn't yes. something that can be controlled by people. Yes. You know, hyperbaric chamber, literally we have them um, at our office and you can get a brand new chamber in your home for around $9,000. You can have your own anti-aging device in your home. So the powers that be are not going to like this. Yeah. I mean, and it's not patentable to sell somebody oxygen, not pressurized oxygen. Yeah. And so this is the same problem the float industry has mm -hmm. where you're not seeing massive money get behind the float industry because the mat, I mean, wh why would we do that when we can, when we have enough money to fund studies to basically sell any drugs we want, right. you know, we can, we can be selective with our science and we can, you know, sh get any studies to kind of show what we want to show mm -hmm. and then sell drugs to people that are patentable. Uh, and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a massive cartel. If you think about it, Yeah, it's really just a massive cartel. Every, you know, the cult of, uh, big pharma slash science. I mean, the, a lot of the science that's funded today, like the problem with science is it can't, it's really not pure. It's not this pure scientific inquiry type of practice where it's like, Hey, let's just go see what helps people. Like, right. let's go test things that like, let's like, let's, we heard about this study out of Tel Aviv. Let's go look into this more. Well, no, well, we have to get funding and the people who have the money for the funding are only going to fund things that they can get a return on their investment from. Right. And especially not fund something that may compete against what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, exactly. that takes it even a step farther. So it's really sad. I mean, they've had a hyperbaric since the 1600s. Um, my newest YouTube video I'm just cutting up now is the history of hyperbarics and man, clear back in the 1650s, they knew that if they put people in a pressurized oxygen chamber, they it had all these amazing health benefits. And so, I mean, we're talking long before pharmaceutical drugs, you know, started to appear in the world. They knew scientists and doctors knew that this, this was helping people, but now there's this momentum in alternative therapies and a lot of it in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. And so you're going to start seeing a lot more of these studies come out by independent places, you know, um, you know, talk about Rocky Vista here in, in St. George, right? We've got a, a college down here that trains DO doctors. 
Well, we're working on uh, getting a study lined up where we're going to have three uh, third-year medical students that we're going to do a big study with uh, non-healing wounds in the hyperbaric chambers at my location. Oh, sweet. So basically seeing what happens to like treatment-resistant injuries, like wounds that haven't healed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because they've got high-pressure hyperbarics like that are at the hospital where they can put you under just vast amounts of pressure. They have still chambers there. We use mild hyperbarics at ours. And so what happens is, is a lot of the normal medical community says, oh, well, that's not real hyperbarics. But yet we have people coming in day after day and they're getting the same results they're getting in this other location. But there's not the, the studies that have been done where you have these, you know, double blinded placebo controlled studies. So that's one of the things that I feel should be part of my life work Okay, is to make these studies happen where... You don't need a doctor's note or the FDA to say that you can go over here and use a hyperbaric chamber at the hospital um, because they'll only let you in for like 11 different things. I want it to be where we can do the studies with mild hyperbarics. So if there's somebody that lives in, you know, nowhere North Dakota and they have a child who, you know, is a diabetic, has non-healing wounds, they can get their insurance to pay for a hyperbaric chamber to be brought to their home so they don't have to travel five or 600 miles for the treatments, pay outrageous amounts of money. They can have that right there in the home for that child, and that child can have it for the rest of his life. Right. You know, he doesn't have to worry about, oh, I got a scratch. Here we go. I'm going to have a non-healing wound here shortly. I'm going to have to, you know, take my job off. I'm going to have to go do this, that. No, I'm just going to go into my bedroom where I have my hyperbaric chamber, use it, heal myself and up. And sa- it's safe enough to have an in-home practice. Like oh, that, yeah. No problem. Absolutely, yeah. With the amount of pressure we put people on, it's, it's the equivalent of being about 12 to 15 feet underwater. So if how many atmospheres is that? It's 1.3 to 1.4 atmospheric pressure. Oh, yes. It's super minor. Yeah. Super minor. I mean, most of the big studies they do, they'll do it two atmospheric pressures. Do you know what this study with Tel Aviv? Uh, The Tel Aviv study, they had folks at about 1.5 to 2.0, depending on their age. So you really don't need an incredible amount of atmospheres. No. And see, and just like that study right there, we see folks all the time in my clinic saying, wow, I feel younger. I'm a lot more limber. Mm-hmm. So it's having some effect in that same area. Mm-hmm. Now, is it the same? Is it less? Is it more? We don't know because the low pressure hyperbarics is better for neurological conditions. And they're admitting that finally now. The higher pressure hyperbarics will heal a wound up quicker. Okay. Our little chambers will do it too. It just won't do it as fast. I see. So maybe it would be better for telomere growth. Maybe it'd be less. I don't know. But until those studies are done. So the hot... So it, some someone like a hospital that can afford to go in and build like in it like a facility for super high pressure stuff mm-hmm. why wouldn't they also have the incentive to have less high intense you know hyperbaric chambers like lower what did you call them uh mild hyperbaric, mild hyperbaric is what we have to call ours okay mild hyperbaric chambers because if there's a benefit to both it seems like you could you should be able to access both. Like it shouldn't be exclusive. Like, Oh, well you have to have one of these more intense conditions or problems in order to have access to the hyperbarics. Like it seems like a no brainer if the, if the mild version is beneficial too, right. and it, 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 it can apply to anyone across the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there any conditions or reasons? Is there any, anything that would be a good reason to not do hyperbarics? Well, back to your, to your last question, why they don't have the, the lower pressure hyperbarics is, well, the, the FDA and the American Medical Association say that hyperbarics are really only good for like 11 things, even though there are scientific studies that probably stretch the moon that show otherwise. 
and these 11 things that they'll allow insurance to pay for hyperbarics, you know, carbon monoxide poisoning, diving accidents, flesh-eating bacteria. Uh, it, it's very... Hyperbarics for flesh-eating bacteria. Yeah, it, dude, hyperbarics hammers infections. Really? It absolutely hammers infections. It's not only the amount of... Uh, the oxygen that you get that oxidizes uh, these these bugs, but it's also the bacterostatic effects of the pressure. Bugs really love stable pressures. I see. And anytime they go higher than that or lower than that, I see. They That's don't do good. So just the pressure itself is. Yeah. So just because I don't know if we did a proper job actually exp an intro to hyperbarics, but right. for people who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, right. Um, Hyperbaric chamber, it's basically just a chamber where you pressurize it with more oxygen than a normal atmosphere of oxygen, right? Yeah, yeah. You basically get in a pressurized chamber. Um, the pressure that you feel would be, you know, equivalent to being about 12 to 15 feet underwater. So if you've ever dove to the bottom of a right. swimming pool and you get that uncomfortable feeling in your ears. Um, but we go slow to those pressures. So you so have stabilized. Yeah, you'd be, be able to equalize your ears. I didn't even notice. When yeah. I was when I was doing it, I didn't feel any discomfort in my ears right. or any any head pressure or anything. It just easy easy for me to equalize. Yeah. Well, if anybody's ever been on an airplane, it's yeah. the exact same thing. Okay. You just have to you know work on clearing your ears, and then while you're in there, you breathe super high doses of oxygen. Right. And, and that's the gist of it. And you can sleep while you're in there. You can read. You can be on a a, a smartphone electronic device, and it's just. You know, I have a lot of, of professionals in this area that come in every day. They bring their laptop in, and they sit in there for an uh, hour to 90 minutes, and they're healing their bodies while they're doing their work. Yeah, or they're chilling with some Oculus yeah. goggles, right? Yeah, like, we do. Don't you have that? <laughs> yeah, we do, we do a lot of that, uh, that real realm world where we do guided meditations, things like that. And, and it's really, really easy to get to that higher place when you're in a hyperbaric environment. Okay, so... Um, now I want to get into like what, since you've, um, how long have you had this, this business inside out? Um, we opened up in the, uh, June of 2016. Okay. So you've had it for over four or yeah, over four years. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, were you doing hyperbarics like on your own before this? Like, were you ever experimenting with it or anything? I did. Yeah. So my hyperbaric experience started, uh, quite a while ago. I got, um, deathly ill in 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, got a lot of diagnosis thrown at me, everything from, you know, MS, Lou Gehrig's disease, this whole litany of, of different things going on. And, you know, I was 31 years old, had two kids, I had a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and I'd watched what Lou Gehrig's had done to my, two of my uncles. One of my uncles died at 41 years old. The other one died at 39. Can you explain, I, I'm more familiar with Lyme's disease, but what, is that the same no, so Lyme's disease is an infection you can get um, by a spirochete bacteria that you supposedly can only get from ticks. Right. Um, but it's known as the great imitator. So wherever this bug goes in the body, it can it can basically imitate different disease processes. I see. So mine had gotten my central nervous system, and so I was having symptoms of MS and ALS at the same time. Um, but I fell back on my background in, in microbiology and microscopy and started studying my saliva and uh, blood. And I kept seeing this bacteria in there. I'm like, that's not supposed to be there. And it's, it, they're very noticeable, this type of bacteria. They're spirochetes. They literally look like a screw shape as okay. they move through things. They can drill through tissue. They're quite, they're quite horrible, nasty little things. 
But then when I go to the hospital and get tested for it, it always come back negative. And so even though I had recordings through my microscope, um, you know, on my computer that the bug was there, the test would say the bug isn't there. And so, you know, my microscope must be They wouldn't take you seriously then. They wouldn't take me seriously. And then, you know, after that, you know, went through the whole process of finding a lab in California, linking up with some great scientists and doctors. And then I finally got my positive Lyme's disease test, but it took finding some little hole in the wall place down in Palo Alto, California at the time um, to actually get that. And then once I had that diagnosis, then came all the research to figure out, okay, how do I get better from this? Mm -hmm. Because my quality of life went from, you know, always working, you know, I could work 80 hour weeks, go, 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 always the rub dirt in it guy, get back up, push yourself through anything to, you know, I got to sleep 14 hours a day. I am in chronic pain. There's something wrong. My brain doesn't work anymore. I literally lost the ability to talk for a couple of months because I started stuttering so much. And then literally like my brain would just turn off. Fuck. Yeah. So that's like, um, that's humbling. Oh, to go from being like sharp and on it and pushing it. I mean, it sounds like you're pretty, pretty, uh, like what's the right word I'm looking for. But I mean, you said your background was in microbiology and, uh, yeah, uh, that's not what I worked in. I worked in fuel technologies okay. for a lot of years. So, um, had a pretty, you needed to be sharp. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to have my brain about me at all times. Um, but having that stripped away from me and everything stripped away from me through that process, lost everything I'd ever worked for. I mean, it was, it was rock bottom basically, but what a beautiful place that rock bottom is because yeah. at that point, dude, ego doesn't exist anymore. Right. And then as you start to work your way back to where you want to be and then get even better places than you'd ever been before. Right. It's, it, dude, it's a beautiful thing. Right. I mean, I, I wouldn't put that on anybody to go what I went through, but if anybody is down at that place and if you can get back up and mm -hmm. dust yourself off and go back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the yin and yang of life. Um, the, each wave has a crest and a trough, right? So mm -hmm. there's, there's like, um, there's the ups and downs. And, and that's one thing about Western society versus like more Eastern philosophy. I think that's, we could use a heavy dose of the Eastern stuff. We were, you know, in our Instagram culture, we're, we're kind of fueled with this ambition to just, just, you know, right. always trying to be at the top mm -hmm. type of thing. And, and in, you know, like Hinduism philosophy, the, the karmic wheel will always take you back down. Right. So it's a wheel that goes round and round. It doesn't just go up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you're at the top, you'll be at the bottom at some point. If you're at the bottom, you'll be at the top. So right. that's the, that's how the wheel spins. Um, and th there's, there's some wisdom in that and like seeing, seeing somebody who's less fortunate than yourself and recognizing that, that, that you too, right. Have, you know, he, he represents your future self or mm -hmm. your past self right. in some way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I literally, if I didn't have the good family I had, I probably would have been homeless. Right. That's I crazy. Mean, yeah, that's, that's where I would have been because yeah. I could not, no matter how much I tried to will myself through it, force myself. When I say chronic fatigue, like I had to sleep, like I would be driving. And as soon as it would hit me, if I did not pull over, it would only be three or four more miles down the road that my brain would be turning off. And I would wow. be in a bad place. Damn. So you, and it sounds like 
there wasn't like a system there really to help you out as, I mean, not to say there was no system, but without your extra, you know, overachiever sort of extracurricular stuff you were doing your own, you know, testing your own blood and, and seeking out people to run these tests for you and going all the way to Palo Alto and stuff like that. Right. Like without all that, what would have happened? Oh, I, I, I would probably still be here, but I would be, I'd have no quality of life. And it was really interesting because once I succumbed to the whole thing of, okay, you know, you know, I was raised in the LDS religion, you know, and I was always praying because I knew there was something there, right? Mm -hmm. I felt it. I would see it in my day-to-day life, but I didn't know for sure what it was, but there was a transition that happened when I was in that bottom place. And it was, I went from, from praying like I was taught where I was telling that higher power what I wanted and what I needed. And it, and it transitioned into a place where I was so humble. I was saying, I don't really know what my next step is, mm-hmm. but please humble me and please allow me to have the humility and the vision that when these people are brought into my life that could help take me to where I want to go, that my ego is set aside and I will just listen and absorb what I can. And after I changed that philosophy in that little routine every night and every morning, folks just started coming into my life. And, and the first couple times it happened, I was like, okay, this is kind of ironic. But then the third person that came in, I'm like, there's absolutely no way. Hmm. There's no way this was by chance. This person, I am here in this moment right now because I need to be here. And this person is the exact same in the same situation. Mm-hmm. So what was the tipping point? Um, what would you, is there, is there one point that you could point to and say, this is where it started to shift, where I went from being at the bottom to climbing out of it? Yeah. So it took, so about, it took about six years where I, I slowly started to have more, uh, positive hours in a day than negative. And then instead of having, you know, 25 bad days a month, I was having 15, you know, and then I started in the switch going to the place where, all right, well, yeah, I don't remember the last time I had pain there. So now when I started feeling off, it was not the norm anymore. Feeling good was a new norm. And then I kind of hit a plateau at about 70%. And, and no matter what I did with, you know, with supplementation, with medication. So, yeah, so talk real quick about how you were able to go from 25 bad days to 15. Like what was... What was it that you were doing? Like you finally got your diagnosis for Lyme's mm-hmm. disease. We haven't even really touched on the Lou Gehrig stuff yet, yeah. but like what, what was it that you started doing that made a difference and started helping you kind of claw back into it? Yeah. So one of the things I did is I started going to um, these conferences called ILADS conferences and they were the International Lyme Disease Association. Mm-hmm. And so at these, uh, they would have the leading scientists and doctors in the world that would come and talk. And because it was such a new thing and cutting edge, there was just, I mean, so many studies being done and everything like that. But at all of these, um, these conferences I go to, it never made sense because they would put people on intravenous antibiotics. And I mean, I'm talking hardcore antibiotics for years. And then the second they would get off these antibiotics, they would start having symptoms again. And their gut biome's totally fine. Well, yeah, all the chaos that's happening with the antibiotics, right? Yeah. But when they weren't on the antibiotics, they had zero quality of life. But if they stayed on, I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't make 
sense to me. That's enough antibiotics to cure the whole continent of Africa, right? Right. And then the second they get off, so it's like, what's being missed? And so I started delving into um, all the research on how these bugs literally use the same nutrients that we do to keep themselves alive. So tons of blood tests to check where all my amino acids were, where my vitamins, minerals, everything like that was at. Doing all this microbiome testing to get my gut back online. And then I had... you probably went through some antibiotics yourself, right? I did did some at first, a, a little bit at first, just oral ones. But I knew that was the way it made me feel. Yeah. That was not a road that I was going to stay on very long and, and be productive. But I ended up calling down here to Dixie State University, the microbiology department. I needed a new microscope, right? I'm like, you know, the stuff I have now is okay. I've been out of the game so long. Uh, I need a scope. And I called over there and talked to the professor of microbiology. He says, you know what? It sounds like what you're dealing with is uh, a gentleman here could really, really help you. He's doing a study actually here on what they call L-form bacteria, cell wall deficient bacteria. He might be the one that you need to talk to. And again, this was this was my third guy. Okay. So I show up there to the microbiology department, you know, no credentials, no nothing, just somebody who's sick and looking for answers. And there's a man in there. His name was Brent Hunt. He owns uh, Soft Cell Biological. He passed away, sadly, earlier this year. But um, anyways, he, he took me under his wing. And he laid out the entire reason why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And it wasn't in medical textbooks. This was all cutting-edge stuff that he was working on. And right then and there, all the answers started to come together. And so he was able to help me get what I needed at that point to push me even higher up into that healing mode. And then I kind of hit that 70% plateau right there. And then that's when I started doing hyperbarics. Okay, so... The hyperbarics got you beyond the plateau? Yes, hyperbarics. So I I hit that plateau. I was there for probably about 18 months, you know, just like trying different things. You know, I'd read about something, go try it. I mean, I can't even tell you how much money I probably spent. But I knew if I didn't have my quality of life, no amount of money would ever matter anyways. Yeah. So I was willing to <laughs> Isn't spend that what funny I spent. how that works? Yeah. yeah it's, it's like uh, you could you can have all this money, but as soon as your health's taken from you, you realize what true wealth is. Right. Well it's the Dalai Lamas and he you know, he's got a quote and I'm gonna butcher it here, but hopefully I can get the message across. He talks about he says in Western world men in their thirties they give up their health to attain money. Yes. Those same Western world men in their 60s give up all their wealth to try to attain health. Yeah, all their money. You give you get the, well, the real wealth back. Yeah. Totally. I, 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 this has been my... Um, I got super disenchanted with the whole American dream uh, when I was in my early 20s chasing it. Right. You know? And by it, I mean like the elusive you know, magical number that once your account hits that number, you're happy or something, right? The whole destination disorder thing. Yeah, disorder. Exactly. It's yeah. it's pathological because if you look at anybody who has, has made it mm-hmm. uh, financially, they haven't actually made it. Like, and they'll tell you first thing that they're not, it's not like their money just fills them with joy right. and well-being and like <laughs> contentment, you know? In fact, it's quite the opposite. In my experience, the people who have the most are seeking it the most. Right. Um, for the most part, like they're, they're, they have the most to lose too. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it creates not only this, uh, 
bottomless pit that needs filled, right? That right. you're constantly trying to, you're trying to shovel more cash in there to fill. Mm -hmm. But then you also have this anxiety about what if, what happens if the IRS uh, uh, yeah. picks it all? You know, what happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? If I lose it and I can't maintain this lifestyle, I can't maintain this company and these employees and all these people who look to me. Mm -hmm. So it's this kind of weird sort of, uh, propaganda almost that we've been fed just to just to play the role of cogs in the economic machine. Right. It's like if if you uh, if you were a slave man, if you if were a master over slaves, you know you're gonna have some sort of of narrative uh, that keeps the slaves in line. Oh, right. Yeah. And there's obviously some physical narrative there. Like mm -hmm. there's a you know, some whips and there's some chains, right? But now let's fast forward to like more modern day slavery. We have to keep, we just have to evolve the narrative to domesticate people into self-domestication to where they'll do it themselves. Right. Where it's like they're self-motivated to go chain themselves to a desk, mm -hmm. right? And to me, this is like one of the great lies and myths that ha we have to wake up from right. um, that we're just because we live in the land of the free, everyone's free. It's like, no, we're not. Mm -hmm. And most people are completely, um, you know, more or less uh, chained to to some job or some uh, way of living, right? Right, right. It's, uh, it's the reason why I'm so driven in what I do now, not only to provide a service that can help people's quality of life, yeah. but my number one main goal is I want to be able to have enough free time where I can start going to... Uh, middle schools and high schools and really laying out to young kids okay this is everything I was told when I was growing up of how the world works now let me show you really how it works mm -hmm. everything I was told, if you don't go to college you're going to work at McDonald's your whole life you're going to be miserable my most wealthy well put together happy friends none of them have college degrees and right. if they do what they what they made their money in and found their success in is so yeah, far it was away in from spite what of did. their student loan debt yeah. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't because of the debt it was in spite of the debt no yeah it, it, there's <laughs> nothing there like that um it's uh it's really interesting because when i got into my 30s early 30s before i got really sick you know i i'd done the things that i told myself if i can get to this point everything will just fall into place yeah that destination disorder. It never did. Right. It never did. And it became such the anxiety level went up with every rung I went up the ladder. Cause I'm like, oh, if I can just hit here. And then I'd hit here and go, oh wow. Yeah, everything's still not great. Yeah, you sort of hit like a I think like that first time you get the taste of the higher income or, you know, uh, whatever it is, like whatever the thing is, I, I need to be in a relationship to be happy, right? Right. It's that honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. And then that sort of starts to dissipate. And then the real underlying issues that never got resolved, the the void of meaning that never got filled, right? Right. Like the the foundation that you should have had in the first place that still isn't there. Like you're, you're just building a house of cards, right? You're just building right. a house on sand. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you get to you get to that new, you know, six figure income and one month into it, you're already thinking about the next, right. The next thing mm -hmm. you're already planning ahead. Like, okay, so now what is it that I need to be happy or to be fulfilled or satisfied, right. content? Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, 
there's some beautiful ways to come about finding contentment. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you can, if you can re like come to a place where you can be con truly content with just, just the air that you're breathing, mm -hmm. you know, just the moment that you're in being completely content. Um, that is such a powerful place to be because you're now, now you're unfuck withable. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody's gonna, nobody's going to hold a little dangle, a carrot out somebody in front take of you. away from you at that point. Exactly. That's going to mess with you. Exactly. Like you could be, you know, from, from the outside looking in, it could look like you're at the bottom. You know, right. you could be the guy in, in the rags, you know, in jail or whatever it is without your, without even your personal freedom. Mm -hmm. But how many, how, how many, you know, Nelson Mandela, like how many like stories are there of, of humans who are just inspiring at that point, right? right? And completely content at where, where, where they're at, um, you know, and, and not needing some outside factors to, to right. make them okay with where they're at. Um, I think that is true power. Like that's true freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, when we've, when we're free from like the, like I said, people dangling a carrot out in front of you and say, Ooh, come over here, come over here, come do this for me, you know, um, come be part of this game. Right. And you're free from all those influences. That's when you can truly like be your most authentic self when you, cause then you can play your own game as opposed to being a pawn in someone else's game. Right. Yeah. You can, you can drop all the, the little, uh, costumes you've wore your whole life mm -hmm. to conform and to fit in with what the norms everybody tells you to. And then you can just be yourself. I, Les Brown, he's a, he's a motivational speaker. He, he has a phrase that I heard in a, a motivational video years ago that really summed up how I felt every single day when I was stuck in that mode. And, and I think if, if you got honesty out of most people that are still on that hamster wheel, yes. they'd say the same thing. But Les Brown said, he said, most men walk around in quiet desperation. Oh, what a great quote. Yeah. And, and that, and that's exactly how I was. Cause I had the big house, right? Quiet. The, that's the, that's the quiet fucked up part of that quote. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. like, you'd never know from Instagram no, that no. people are in desperation. That, and I, I, you know, I was one of the worst ones, you know, I had, I had my Escalade, I had my Jaguar, I had my half acre home, you know, everything on the outside looked great. But yeah. Every morning when that alarm clock went off. Yeah. I just, Oh fuck. What today are we going to deal with? Yeah. You know, and, and I knew deep down inside that I wasn't on my life path, but that quiet desperation and you see it. Now I see it when I talk to men and they're, oh, I've only got 12 more years here at the state road and then I'm going to retire. Only 12 more yeah. years. I was like, holy shit. Dude, I haven't done anything for 12 years. Yeah. Besides yeah. like got stuck at school for yeah. 12 years. Yeah. No. Yeah. It just, it just, you just look at him. It's like, God, man, I. You know, and, may, and maybe some people that's that's their path and, and that's OK. But I, I would really love to be able to afford myself the time to go speak with young kids and try to switch that mindset to it's a lot more important to be true self. Yeah. And to really take the gifts you were given to bring more light into the world than to fill that roster spot there, uh, you know, at mcdonald's yeah or yeah i i think i think what we're i mean first of all i think we're kindred spirits and i think that that right there is probably the reason that uh you know i felt drawn to having this conversation with you in the first right. place because i could feel that authenticity and there's a there's 
something about that, like when you found that yourself, where, where you realize sort of like the, the real secret sauce to life, like that the the point is to be your, your true self, your most right. authentic self. And then when you connect with that self, spontaneously, you just want to start helping other people. Right. Like you just want to help other people do that too. And you just look around you and you're like, oh, this is actually kind of sad. Mm -hmm. Like all the people that I love that aren't their authentic self or that can only be a fraction of it, a fraction of the time. And to tie it back into Inside Out, Hyperbarics and your business and uh, our previous conversation here, I think the two are very connected because you can't be yourself without your health. Right. That's like square one. That's like the foundation of the pyramid. You, you have to have like Maslow's yes. hierarchy of needs, right? Like mm -hmm. you got to have the fundamental stuff before you can climb the, the pyramid, so to speak, and start seeking things like, you know, meaning and self-actualization. Like we would all love to have that, but you can't start that road if you're just a seven out of 10 in pain every day. Right. Or if you're, you know, 14 hours of sleep because you're so fatigued and, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if anyone listening has Lyme's disease and you're relating to this or any, anything else, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, chronic, all these things where society of chronic disorders. Right. And so I think anybody who has the potential has been able for some reason of, of like, divine intervention or whatever it is, fate, karma, whatever you want to call it, destiny, somebody's connected to their truer, more authentic self. Somebody has this potential. They've, they've, they've freed up their bandwidth. They've ripped off the chains of like cultural conditioning and all of the programming that we've been raised right. in and all this other shit. And they've been given like a, a an opportunity to help others and they're taking it. Right. I think right now, so many people need health. Oh. That's what we need. Number one, like what we need. Number one is to get our fucking health back mm -hmm. and to get our bandwidth back because right. right now we're so diminished. It's like, you know, firsthand, probably way better than I do. Like what you're even capable of when you're down at the bottom is just a fraction of what you're capable of right now. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that, you know, and that all ties back into why I actually started inside out. Um, you know, after I got better is, you know, I went from, you know, pretty high up in the, the corporate ladder and in, in the fuel technology world, you know, six figure income, had a lot of clout, um, you know, was in a really, really good position. And when I called up my friends and said, you know what, I'm going to quit that. I'm going to open up this little hyperbaric center. Um, you know, $30,000 a year salary to start out. Mm -hmm. Everybody told me I was completely crazy, but it didn't matter because I was at a place now where I had wandered my way through that darkness of chronic illness. And now I felt so overwhelmed to stand at the other end of that darkness and hold that torch for other people to find me. And I didn't have all the answers, but I had some of them. And then after we opened up here, it came again, the universe providing, you know, we have one of the best geneticists in the world here in St. George and her and I became extremely good friends. We had the best naturopathic doctor in the world move to St. George just a few years ago. I worked directly with him. We have an amazing functional medicine doctor. So now what we've got is we've got this little team of people in place that when these chronically ill people show up to my office and set that six-inch binder on my desk of blood work that they've compiled over the last 30 years and nobody can tell them why they're, they're sick and what's going on, that 
if I don't have those answers, I have connections to people who can get them those answers. And that's what standing at the other end of that dark cave represents for me. You hold that torch when those people come, you know, have a place for them. Yeah, totally. And just if anything else, just even if, because, you know, it's a complex world, especially when we get into like microbiology and disease and viruses and all this stuff. And we're all trying, you know, there's, there's the sharpest people in the world trying to figure this stuff out. Right. But so even if you don't have all of the answers, the fact that you have the right intention and it's about just trying to get people true wealth, which is their health, number one, right? Health is the first pillar of that. Um, and, and here at like, we're having this conversation at at the float center, Mm -hmm. like true North float. That's a hundred percent pillar number one it's health it's all about health because if there's no there is no transcending anything until you get your health back yeah and and that's been my personal experience like as soon as i started to get uh you you know i was i'm probably more of like a generic like average case of somebody who's just like you know dealing with uh, i drink too much on the weekend and i've got inflammation and you know my diet's shitty because of my habits my lifestyle right Mm -hmm. and and then i sit at a desk all day and i don't exercise like so i was dealing with that kind of stuff and then i had you know the the hip injury i had a screw in my hip that was throwing throwing my back out of whack and giving me back problems um you know in pain but those are just like average those are just like everyone's got that type of shit like that's what's so but it's blown my mind about like since starting this business and just talking to regular people who you mm-hmm. think they look, they look good. Like right. people come in, you know, they're like, they look pretty like not overweight, normal looking, like healthy looking. You would never assume anything's wrong. And then they just start to open up to you about their problems right. and the, the way, you know, all of the chronic problems. And you're like, Whoa, like everyone's dealing with this right. shit. Everybody has these problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's kind of humbling in a way because it's like okay we're all sort of in this together and but but everybody can stand to benefit from you know boosting their health and we're not even talking about like the anti-aging effects of hyperbarics i mean that's awesome too but Mm -hmm. just the fact that you can you know stop your fatigue like help your fatigue help your uh body heal the immediate issues that it's dealing with. Right. And then like, let's say even if you're a healthy person or an athlete and you just want, you know, better longevity and short, longer telomeres, like apparently that's right. happening too. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting because one of the, one of the most profound things that happened to me when I was really sick, I knew there was something really wrong, like, but it wasn't resonating on the level of these autoimmune things. Right. And, and the first healthcare professional that I actually had that says, you know what? I believe you. I, you don't know what's wrong yet, but I believe you that there's something really, really wrong and you're not making this up. Do you know how much light that shines on somebody's life? Even if they're in their darkest places, Yeah. people get diagnosed with like delusional parasitology and all sorts of things. Like they bring in their medical records and you know, you look through them for a minute and they'll say, oh, this person's probably, you know, suffering from schizophrenia or this or that, the other, just for people to hear that you actually give a fuck yeah. about them. Yeah. That they're just not some number. And you didn't write them off. Yeah. That you're listening to them. And it might be some mental thing, right? 
Right. But the fact that you're able to connect with a human being on that type of a human level and go, I know, I can see that you don't feel good. Um, we may not have the answers here, but we'll do everything we can to get the answers for you. And we have these things here that can help for the time being. Some of that just changes the world for people. Yeah, 100%. Just that somebody gives a shit about them. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, it makes people like, you can see that there's such a lack of that in our society, our civilization today. We're so alienated from each other. Like, it's, it's so strange because one of our deepest drives as Homo sapiens, as tribal hunter gatherer, like in our ancestral past of just being super tribal, mm-hmm. we've developed this evolutionary need for human belonging. Right. And it's why Instagram is a successful business model because we all want those likes. We all want that validation mm-hmm. of our tribe. And it's a it's just a it's just a drive that evolution is selected for because it made for a successful species. I mean it makes sense. Right. It's how we left the Neanderthals in the dust, right? Probably, yeah. We're yeah. definitely more social and we're the probably the most social species on earth. So right. it we have these really deep driving sort of mechanisms built in and so to have that but then to simultaneously have the most alienate alienating set of circumstances like if you're just somebody who lives in a city you know you you probably don't know the names of your neighbors in your apartment building that right. you've been living next to no for a community year. whatsoever no, no there's community none. there's there's no none. there's no deep sense of trust there with other humans and because you're you're essentially you're alone in a crowd right everywhere you go um and that takes a toll on soul crushing yeah it's it's very soul crushing and it takes a toll on people's well-being because Mm -hmm. like just look at the studies they've done where you know like uh babies who don't get the touch of humans die yeah they will just die if they don't get human touch those in those first days Mm mm-hmm so it's like it's so important to have that human connection. Yes. And with COVID and everything that's going on, I mean, we were already we were already an alienated society and now it's even heightened. Now we can't like look at each other and have real conversations cuz our faces are covered and you know, yeah. we're keeping our distance and all this other shit and we're we're isolating more and more. And so it's it, the consequences of this are uh, everyone can feel that it's not good, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I don't even think we've realized the full consequences of it. I think we're going to start, like, we're going to look back at COVID in hindsight and and be like, wow, that was a, I mean, probably a big spike in suicide and a big spike in other things. Like Domestic mental, violence, mental health problems. Mental health problems, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's very dehumanizing. It's, um, you know, one of the things they that I find interesting about it all is like, so with autistic children, right, they... A lot of them lack the ability to sense facial uh, expressions and stuff like that in people. They can't pick up on those social cues. Right. Um, their brains don't have that developed part, right? Well, dude, no, you know no, how, none of us can. No, none of us can. <laughs> yeah. None of us can. They've shut that whole wall down in that part mm-hmm. of our brain where you can sense if somebody, how they're really feeling by you know are they smiling are they frowning i'll have to i I find myself constantly pulling my mask down to show people that i'm smiling yeah like hey i'm actually stoked about what you're saying right now i know i haven't said anything for five seconds but i'm smiling yeah i'm giving you a thumbs up underneath (laughs) this mask right yeah and it's it's i don't know we'll see where that all shakes down but i i don't like it yeah and for the record we're not wearing masks at the moment we're just talking and i don't know how we could have a conversation 
and not have it just dead end if we were wearing masks. Well, we'll just say that we've got like uh, lunch meats here on the table. So you know how it is in a restaurant. You have yeah. to wear your mask into the restaurant, but once you're sitting down to eat. Yeah, now it's, it's totally okay. safe. Everything's yeah. safe now. It's better. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, Seriously. My God. Yeah, because we have some CBD waters here. We're now dining and everything's safe. Yep. Yep. No, it's it's weird and time, and I think with with the with the trend being that things are getting increasingly more bizarre and more like alienating, like we said, more uh, uncertain with the election, with all this other stuff. I mean, it's all it's doing is it's, I mean, without going off like onto some tangent and philosophizing about what it all means and where we're going, just the byproduct of what we're all going through in twenty twenty it's having this like insane effect on everyone's mental health, physical health. I mean, not getting out and getting sunlight, not getting out and, you know, being quarantined, being isolated and all these, all these problems. So we need as many like tools as possible to pick ourselves up and to get ourselves through. Um, like for me, I couldn't, I, I signed the lease on this building for true North float. Like, like 10 days before COVID went mainstream and everything got locked down. And so I went through this sort of like existential (laughs) month of just like, just thinking, man. man. And, and just like sitting in my house quarantined, you know, like what the fuck's going to happen? What should I do? And then I, I came to the conclusion, there isn't a better, like that just confirmed even more. There isn't a better time for this business, right? There isn't a more needed time because of the incredible levels of stress and anxiety and, and all these other problems that 2020 has just accelerated and, and heightened. And so I think of your business as in the same way, right? Like we need anything, anything that we can get to give, give us, uh, you know, a boost to give us, to bring her, to bring us closer to our, our truest authentic self. Right. Yeah. Healthy self. In that healthy self. And that I was so stoked when I found out you were coming here. Cause every time I go to Vegas, or every time I go to Salt Lake, I always schedule time in to go float. Absolutely love it. I, I, I can't get enough of it. It is a it is a perfect place for somebody like me whose brain is always, you know, going a million miles an hour and all the possibilities. When I need to think through a really, really difficult situation I have going on, whether it's personal life, business life, whatever it might be, this is my place where I come in and I find that zen where I can... I can get that discernment between my brain and my heart and mm-hmm. make that connection and find out what route I really need to go. So I, I think it's absolutely wonderful that you came here. I do. I was so stoked when Sarah from fusion pharmacy came in and said, Hey, there's a float place coming in town. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> thank God. Thank God. Yeah. Thanks man. I appreciate it. you've been really supportive and <clears throat> I'm stoked to have you here too. Like, uh, to be able to, to be able to collaborate. And then also just the more like, to me, it's it's not a zero sum game, right? right. Like, and, and I think that's all of the people I've met in in uh, I don't want to call it alternative wellness or alternative mm-hmm. anything because it's just it's it's just it's it alternative can bring about like the the can insinuate almost that it's like not legit or something. Yeah, that it's which, not the best option. Yeah, which is total. Like yeah. it's something you would do as an alternative to something yeah. that was your first choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's total bullshit. So uh, the fact that hyperbarics and f- like float tanks, those those things are part of the future of medicine. Like, right. And that's that's not 
like it's it's going to be more and more widely accepted as we slowly fight through like mm-hmm. the the current paradigm that we talked about like the barriers to entry of things that actually help i mean right. look at the barrier to entry that something like cannabis had mm-hmm. um to get decriminalized and right. it still is federally illegal and illegal right. here in utah to do recreationally and so there's like there's still these it's still a process but the fact that you know people are using medical cannabis uh, as an alternative to opiate use and it's taking people off of like narcotics and opiates like that's a miracle that's incredible yeah it's absolutely wonderful yeah and so to to think of that as an alternative well it's like yeah it's an alternative to something that's fucking terrible yeah (laughs) that doesn't mean that we should keep the terrible as like plan a right and i'm not saying opiates aren't a medicine too but and they have a very very wonderful application when they're needed Mm -hmm. but to just be slinging the most like addictive substances to everyone right. because it's patentable and profitable Ooh. and like we're just glorified drug dealers in white coats. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's crazy to me. Um, and not to just get like on another tangent about the whole war on drugs thing. Cause I, right. I could talk about it forever, but like, it's, it's awesome to see, um, people in with the mindset of what helps people right. like not, not, um, just holding up the status quo as best as they can, you know, and, and going to the same, going through the same sort of like hamster wheel sort of path that, that you're put on, right. You know, go to school and get this, like, we can all agree upon this degree being a good idea and this Mm -hmm. profession being esteemed and like a good idea. And then you can just hold up the, the institution and the, the structures that were already all there and never question and anything and never grow and never right. like you, you know we don't have that those people who were bringing in new ideas and questioning the way things are and unfortunately sometimes it has to come at the cost of like you know the system failed you in some way mm-hmm. like you had to go yeah on your own journey of healing to figure out like how to overcome Lyme's disease and how to how to like get your health back. Right. And it took you on an alternative sort of path. Right. Like alternative. It, yeah. Alternative. Right. Just because the, the mainstream path didn't work right. and it doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it, see right now I'm having like one of the most ethical and moral dilemmas of my professional cr- career. Um, I, I recorded a, a radio ad here locally in St. George and had it running for about two weeks. And then I had an internist, a local internist, call up literally screaming, fuck you, over the phone at me for my radio ad. Because of my radio ad, I said uh, I said two true things. I said, um, you know, hyperbaric oxygen therapy has a lot of antiviral properties, which it does. They knew back in the 80s that hyperbaric oxygen therapy hammers the HIV virus. Okay. Hammers it. And every other virus they've tested with it, the exact same thing. And then the next line I used, in Europe and in China, doctors are using hyperbaric oxygen therapy to help with the symptoms that are produced by COVID-19 infections, which is absolutely true. One of the main uh, symptoms you have is you can't breathe. Yeah. You know, you get the virus in your lungs, there's a big immune response, the air sacs in the lungs close off, and your oxygen levels start to drop. There's nothing better on planet Earth to get oxygen in your body than hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So I said those two true things. I wasn't curing I could claim anything. 
or that I was curing anything. I was saying that we could, you know, save your life, this, that, and the other. Just bringing those two points to people's minds. And this guy literally went berserk on my phone and then called up the Department of Professional Licensing in Salt Lake. You know, they contacted me. I have to take down my radio, but here's my moral and ethical dilemma is I know I have a way that I can help people get through these symptoms that come from what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. But I can't go out and say it. Because uh, that because then you're uh, claiming to what you have to have some sort of like what phase three clinical trial to point to before you can say this is good for you. Well, if if I was a pharmaceutical company, right, I could say this is off label. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. I could use we can, that. We can all prescribe. Day we can long. prescribe Abilify off label as an antidepressant, even though it's been tested and approved as an antipsychotic. Yeah. And has like these mo the most ridiculous side effects. Yeah. Like if you go read the the side effects or just watch the commercial, just mm -hmm. YouTube Abilify commercial. It's like a minute and a half, and uh, a minute of it is is somebody whispering all of the reasons that you're gonna be horribly yeah. Like though it's like if if you have treatment resistant depression, Abilify could be right for you. But you might also lose the loss yeah. motor, motor function in your limbs mm -hmm. and, you know, you could potentially die from this and all these like, yeah, it just goes on and on. It's a laundry list of problems because they have to legally disclose these mm -hmm. things. But Abilify was like incredibly uh, prescribed. It was one of the highest prescribed drugs for depression. Yeah. Like if it you wasn't were even taking another depression pill and it wasn't working the way they thought it would work, then they could add Abilify yeah. on top of it. And supposedly oh, it's like help. lucky we, we, we got a better pill than the one we gave you the first time. Right. And it's just, it's insane to me that like people are willing to play with these blunt instruments. Like mm -hmm. that's what they are. You go to a lab and you get a, a drug approved because you have the money to throw it the scientists right. and you know they have an they have an incentive to come up with these findings when they're going into the study this isn't just like right. true inquiry mm. and y you might you might like have a bunch of studies and then selectively choose the one that you know you want to you want to oh, these numbers look best yeah. maybe we should use these numbers and then let's like let's not even get into the fact that like all these studies have an asterisk by them mm -hmm. because the mice that they're using are, are fucked. <laughs> yeah, the mice have extremely long telomeres, so they're yeah. like super mice. Yeah, so like just for people who don't know, uh, this is Brett Weinstein's mm -hmm. uh, work and his hypothesis. But basically, he hypothesized that the lab rats um, were w would all have these elongated telomeres because... Uh, they're selectively bred to be lab mice, mm -hmm. right? So, so basically, all these mice that are being tested on in all these different labs around the country are all coming from the same place in the Northeast. And so these mice have been uh, selectively breeding to be more resistant to, test, to be tested on. So right. they're adapting to their environment as being a lab rat. And now when I test something that could you know, be harmful to a my to mice, their cells are, are going to uh, what, like heal faster. Yeah. Right. And, and show less side effects of these, the negative effects of the drugs will show up a lot less in these mice because they're literally like 
drug resistant mice. Right. But the downside of that, so it's like an evolutionary trade off. Right. So they get this. I, I think the senescence plays into this and I'm trying to, I'm butchering it. I'm not articulating it very well. And you should uh, check out Brett Weinstein, um, his specifically Eric Weinstein's episode of the portal with Brett. Mm-hmm. I think it's episode 19 or something. Um, it's called uh, slipping the disc or something like that. Uh, incredible work that Brett's done, but the, the, uh, downside of the trade-off is these, all these mice die from tumors, mm-hmm. um, because their cells are reproducing. So I, I think it faster or something. Mm-hmm. So it causes a higher rate of cancer and they all die from these tumors. Right. Um, like, like all of these mice die from tumors. And so their telomeres, if their telomeres were shorter, they would actually die probably prior to the tumors setting in from the drugs they are using on them. And yeah. Testing. Yeah. Yeah. And so the whole point is, is like there's this asterisk next to all of the these drugs now about how safe they really are, right? Because they were tested on drug resistant mice. Yeah. So it's like, okay, we need to at least go back and look at the science again. Maybe throw it all out. Who knows? Like, yeah, might have to start all over. Yeah, and so there, there's a lot of really weird shit around the the. Uh, We'll, we'll call it the mainstream medicine or, or mainstream, at least big pharma yeah. um, for sure. And our whole mindset around health in the first place is kind of a, it's, it's, it's very, it's non-holistic in my opinion. We don't like to look at humans as like one organism, right? Where we see it all working together. It's like a specialist who wants to look at one aspect of the right. body and think it's like existing in a vacuum separate from everything else. So our solution, our, we're playing whack-a-mole with symptoms and our solution tends to cause 10 more symptoms. Right. Like our solution with like, for instance, antibiotics. Like what are you going to do without your gut biome? Yeah. Yeah, you might kill that nasty bug that's living in your throat, but guess what? You just wiped out your, you know, your intestinal flora and now you're going to be prone to C. diff, uh, yeast infections, all sorts of monsters will move in once the good guys are gone. Yeah. So it's that, it's that trade-off, you know? Yeah, and that's not to say, I mean, sure, thank God for antibiotics. Yeah, I think antibiotics are great. But we, when, we, when they discovered the, the penicillium crawling out of the agar plate and eating the tuberculosis on the other agar plate way back in the day, nobody stopped to think, what is that penicillium going to do when we put it in our bodies to kill that tuberculosis? Yeah. Cause that's what penicillin is. It's, it's a mold. Right. And molds are decomposers and they, they break down organic material. So I, I think a lot of things in science need to be looked at, but at the end of the day, when you can have options like floating, like hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, talk about nutritional IV products. Yeah. There's really no downside to those. And even guys like uh, like Wim Hof coming along. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you familiar with, with uh, his breathing method? Oh, and yeah. Like the Wim Hof method? Absolutely. Yeah. Our fire and ice room is built kind of with that whole method in mind um, and the exposure to hot and cold. I mean, mm-hmm. and like there's a study now, uh, not even a new study, but showing that um, regular sauna use, mm-hmm. sauna bathing, um, people who did sauna like four times a week. Right. had a 40% lower all-cause mortality rate. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like yeah. 40% lower chance of dying from all causes just from the the boost to their immune system and to their you know their their health right. from just regular sauna well, use. Well look at all the look at the Nordic nations where they 
saunas are used constantly. They're used more than any other place on the world. Yep. And uh, what did COVID do up there? They didn't do any lockdowns. They isolated the people in their communities that may be sick and that could get very, very bad symptoms and even die from COVID. Their mortality rates are almost nothing. Yeah. They use saunas 70% more than anywhere else in the world. Wow. That's why we have a sauna. Well, they, and they're using it in tandem with their cold plunge. Yeah. Or like with cold water. Yeah. A lot, that's the whole idea with the room. It's a Nordic spa. Yeah. You know, you, you jump in the lake and then you go get in the sauna and you jump in the lake, you know, mm-hmm. I actually had a, a couple of, a, a couple, um, from Texas, some tourists that came through and this lady was, she had Scandinavian roots and she, I, she checked out the fire and ice room. Most people are like nervous to try out the cold plunge mm-hmm. and they're like kind of intrepid and scared mm-hmm. to, to be cold. And I asked her after how she liked it. And she's like, well, this the sauna was a little warm for me. I only spent a few minutes in there, but I love the cold plunge. Yeah. <laughs> she spent, she spent of most of her time in the water. Wow. And she just loved it. Like That's so awesome. it's just what she's built for. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she it's loves her genes. It. It's, it's her, her genetic genes, yeah. line. But I think it's all of us too. I, I think every, I mean, if you want to talk about genetic line, just go back a little further before climate controlled houses and cars mm-hmm. and clothing. Like that's all of us. Yeah. All of us come from this, this very, uh, primal, you know, existing in nature type of homo right. sapien. That's what we're all built for at our core. And only in the last couple of generations, really the last one in particular, where we've just become so sedentary and so, uh, isolated from the elements and isolated from nature. And to me, that's not a, that's not a formula for health. Because it's not like you can keep the world out forever. No. And like the idea of like, let's go to a germ-free sanitized world that's like at this perfect 74 degree temperature and will never get cold and will never get exposed to a bug. Like go good luck living in your bubble. Yeah. But I don't want to live there. No. Like I'd rather, I'd rather like go live in the world and experience it and breathe in the air and go experience like what it feels like to be on top of a mountain. Well, it's cold on top of a mountain, yeah. but it's an incredible experience to yeah, be up there. But when you're on top of that mountain, even though there's less oxygen, I breathe so much better up there than I do down in the lower lands. Right. And, I, and I really can't wrap, wrap my brain around it. We were hunting earlier this year, we're 11,000 feet. And the doctor that I was with, we both said the same things. We're like, we should be laboring more up here to catch our breath as we were hiking. But I felt better. Yeah. where I was at. Interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I woke up this morning with a slight um, headache for some reason. And I'm not sure what it was. It's gone now, but I got I got up and I went outside and I walked my dog. So we live um, right up next to the mountain. So you can like go up the hills mm-hmm. and it's like 28 degrees or something. And just breathing in the cold, cold air, air within yeah. like two minutes, my headache's gone. Yeah. I feel great. I feel like I'm alive. And there's something about that cold exposure that and, and sauna too, like mm-hmm. cold and heat, both stimulate the body in such a way that it just, like you get done with it and you feel so much better. Like you feel right. superhuman even, like mm-hmm. after an ice bath, you're sitting in, in water that can kill you. Like it's, yeah. And, but for some reason, there's something so empowering about that and just breathing through it and then getting beyond that first initial conditioning, that first fear and, just feeling like this inner fire and this warmth inside yeah. of you, even though you're in ice. Freezing. Like, yeah, it's it's really powerful. But I think the whole point of, of me bringing that up was like, you don't need anything 
other than what's already out there goes like what's a river yeah it's a cold plunge like mm -hmm. it's it's not like some like magical technology it's just nature's natural cure yeah and if we if we like were to embrace that instead of run from it like a cold shower a day keeps the doctor away <laughs> that's like the right. Wim Hof saying right mm -hmm. and i i really i really think that i haven't been sick uh man it's been a few years it's been a couple years at least yeah since i've been sick Oh, I haven't been sick forever. And in folks with Lyme's disease, you know, they it, it dampers your immune system. Dude, I haven't had a cold in eight, nine years. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then there's other people who, like, are, are so nervous about flu season oh. that they're, like, avoiding, you know, going out. I mean, in COVID, we're avoiding society. Right. You know, because of a point zero what or 0.5% death rate. Is that what it is? That That's the high end. It's probably like 0.2% uh, or something. Much. Yeah. It's probably there. And, and everybody that gets, you know, that does die, there's cold, cold morbidities there. Exactly. You know, so don't we, even get me started. We've got, we've deal. gone soft. <laughs> yes, we have. We have. It's, uh, Oh, that, that whole COVID thing is, you know, it's a real virus. Well, now that we're, there. I'm not going to take your, what you say here down, uh, so you can say whatever you want. Um, but do you think, since you were running that radio ad, are you encouraging people with COVID to come into your, your space? I haven't been encouraging individuals to come in with COVID, but doctors have been encouraging their patients to come in. Oh, okay. I have a hyperbaric chamber that is just COVID only. Oh, okay. And we do a extensive cleaning on it. Uh, nobody else is going to get in that chamber until COVID is gone. I'm probably actually going to ruin it because I'm using ozone to clean it. And ozone is very caustic. It's going to ruin the fabric really quick. Yeah. But it's what I'm, we use to clean our, our water. Oh, dude, that, I love ozone. It, kill, it gets everything. Yeah. No, it's not 99.9% .9 of anything. It's 100% of everything. Yeah. It kills everything. Um, but I, I'm doing before and after surveys of, of uh, the symptoms. And... I got a testimonial video. That's how I'm going to get the word out is using other people's words. There you go. Because I can't get in trouble for that. There you go. Uh, a gentleman came in two weeks prior, had COVID. They almost hospitalized him, but he couldn't breathe still after he said he was better. They said he was better. And he came in and he made it through three sessions and he's perfectly fine now. But wow. he was just stuck in that. I can't breathe. I walk upstairs. I almost pass out. There's still something wrong. Now he's got his wife in who has COVID and she was hospitalized for two and a half months. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you're somebody who has it or, is, you know, has symptoms, it's not like, uh, yeah, we're talking about like, we shouldn't shut down, you know, the way of like, we shouldn't stop being human beings because of yeah. a virus, I don't think. But at the same time, that's a real virus that's very tricky mm -hmm. and I had a, I, we lost a, one of my cousins recently and he, he was diagnosed with COVID, but apparently like he had been released from the hospital and stuff. And I think he was doing better Yeah. than, and, and, and I'm sure there was a combination of factors, right. you know, like you were saying, there's, there's, there's always, always a, comorbidities. there's always other stuff. And yeah. you know, he was, he was vaping and I think he might've been on some antibiotics and he was drinking. There's like all these factors all together. Um, and I don't know the whole story, but, right. but my point is he was young right he was in his 30s right and he died the all the trauma therapy i had to go through with with the divorce i had and everything like that and trying to 
you know, you find yourself in there, but there was a, there was a phrase that the therapist used once in trauma therapy that's always stuck with me. And he says, I don't, I don't care who the person is. You never let anybody dehumanize you. And when I look what's going on, you know, in our country today with the isolation and the taking away of the rights, it's, it's very dehumanizing. Yeah. It's happening on a grand scale. People who get COVID. Yeah. I mean, like people are dying completely alone mm-hmm. in a hospital bed, like, yeah, because they can't allow well, visitation. Halloween was a huge uh, wake up call for me. We went to an apartment complex and we're trick or treating there. And there's one lady who wouldn't answer the door, but she was yelling through the door and she says, I'm sorry, I- I'm really sick. And I, and I can't give you candy and I'm here all by myself. And she was sobbing. And I was just like, you know, I wanted to go through that door and say, hey, let's go over to my place and yeah. let me help you. But she was so terrified and she had no family there. Yeah. And just the fear in her voice, that that wasn't the America that I grew up in. Dude, I this is the first year in forever, probably that I can think of ever that I haven't been to my dad's for Thanksgiving, um, at least to say hi and, you know, see the family. It's always been, it's like the one tradition where the family comes together, right? Every year we've done it. And it's broke. This year's totally fucking broke. And not only is it broke, but I haven't seen my dad in in ages. Like he's, he's held up in Mm -hmm. the castle, (laughs) you know, you know, in the, you know, isolating himself so he can reduce the risk, I guess. And to me, like I can, I get the argument. Like I, I see it and I'm, everyone has to, you know, do their best, like make, use your own discernment, make the choice that's right for you. I just, you know, my mind goes to like being as social creatures as we are. What does that do to your health to lose that? Yeah. And is it scarier than the, the potential of like the risks of getting something like COVID? And everybody says, well, you got Skype, you can do this, you can do that. That's a very... It's pseudo, con- it's not a connection. It's no, there's no connection at all. It actually feels weird. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why, like, this podcast, I actually started at the beginning of the year and then only got, like, you know, six or so episodes into it and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And it just came to a screeching halt because I didn't want to do podcasts over over Zoom. Like, it just doesn't seem like... Joe a, Rogan can't even do it right. You watch his where they're not in the room together? Yeah, that sucks. It sucks. They, uh, they're, they're, it's, it's not nearly the same thing. Mm-mm. There's not the... There's not the... I mean, and, and just from my own, like, selfish reasons, it's like I, the half the reason I started the podcast was because I wanted to have real conversations with real humans. Right. And that's something that's, like, increasingly becoming more rare and mm-hmm. rare. Um our attention span on average for people is, is like atrophied and gone away. So most people can't even like, even when they want to, it's like, we want to sit down and have a a chat. It's like, they don't have the capability to just sit here and talk for an hour. Right. Like it's just too many other things that, that, you know, their phone dings and they're gone. Right. It's like when I have movie night with my kids, you know, I've got a 17 year old daughter, 14 year old son. And when we have movie night, we have to all take our phones and set them in a little basket up Smart. in front of the TV and turn our ringers off. Smart. Because if we don't, you know, 30 minutes in, my son's over there playing a game. My daughter's texting her boyfriend. Yeah. I'm doing something else. It's like... Yeah, yeah, check an email or yeah. something. It's yeah. dumb. And then nobody's there. There's not that connection. We're yeah. not we're not laughing at the jokes as they happen on the movie. or yeah. We're not all terrified at, you know, Annabelle racing across the screen or whatever. We're, we're there, but we're not there. Yeah. 
And that's if you had to summarize society in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. We're there, but we're not there. Mm-hmm. That's fucking tragic. Yeah. We're all on our own little islands right now. Well, we're going to have to figure out a way to tackle these problems. But first step is to get help people get healthy. Because that's the thing, right? It's like if you can help just one human being find health, then they can connect to their more authentic self. They can be a better version of themselves and then they can be part of the solution to that problem. Right. And so the more that we help each other and empower each other and realize we're all in this together, we're really all one, just zoom out a little bit and realize that the earth is just a little spaceship marble flying through infinity and all of our fate is tied together. Mm-hmm. It, all we got to do is just like zoom out a little bit further. And we have that perspective now. Right. We have the ability to get that perspective. And so I think that that's the, that's the future if there is a bright future. You know, yeah. like we, we, we get to ultimately decide what future it's going to be. And uh, I don't know. Like I, 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 came, I came back to St. George, like landed here uh, last August. So over a year ago to start this, uh, business. And we, like I was, before we were talking about that road trip and the Jeep and like traveling around the Western States and stuff, part of that trip was to see where I wanted to start this, this company. Right. And I was, I was going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I told myself if I can't find anywhere better then it's going to be St. George mm-hmm. because you know, that's where my family, all my friends are like, that's where I grew up. Like it's special to me. And then when I landed here, when I got back from the road trip, it was like seeing the place for the first time, yeah. like how incredibly beautiful it is here and just the landscape and everything. And, and it was like a no brainer. It's like, okay, this has got to be the place where I start, but there's, there's something here specifically where I think we need this shift now more than ever. Yeah. And you can feel the shift starting to take place. Right. And it's not just a shift in health, but it's, it's a whole sh- a mindset of people kind of like shaking off stories of the past and shaking off like cultural conditioning and, and all these things that have kept us sort of stuck. Right. Yeah. It's a shift in consciousness is what it is. Yes. I see it every day in my, in my wellness center. My first three and a half years was all I did was educate, teach classes, teach people. There was a different way. There was, you can still do what you're doing, but there's these other, uh, types of health. I call them true health that can, can really help you get to where you want to be. And now, now people are starting to go, man, this doesn't seem like it's working. I'm 64 and I've done what they've said for 30 years and I'm still hurting and miserable. Hey, there's a place right there says it can help. Maybe I should go in there and take a look. Right. And that's what's happening. And it's happened across the country and that, that paradigm shift is coming. Yes. And the fact, I mean, that your business is, is successful in there is testament to that for sure. Yep. And the fact that a lot of the, a lot of those older folks that are walking by are probably using medical marijuana <laughs> and yep. yeah, I mean, that, that's just the, it's, it's like, how long are you going to bury your head in the sand when you're in pain about, you know, you're going to, eventually you're going to start listening to anyone who says, Hey, this will help. Yeah. You know, you're going to start trying anything else if you can't, like, if you haven't been able to get a, uh, anything to work, you know, then your, your mind becomes, starts to eventually become more open to other possibilities when right. the pain is stronger than the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the side effects get stronger than the pain. Right. And so the question is, is like, how much more 
do we have to like collectively suffer in this weird sort of version of civilization that we have now where nobody's really like even the people who are the winners, Mm -hmm. like we're talking about the people who have the money uh, who don't really have the wealth, right? None of us are truly winning at this game. So it's like, why are we all continuing to play? Yeah. And when are we just going to start to adapt it to the version that we can all be stoked about? Yeah. And I don't think we can until each person on an individual level adapts their own lifestyle to, to become a healthier version of themselves. Like getting, getting like their, their potential back. Yeah. Well, like we were talking about psychedelics, right? You can't just throw the general populace on a psychedelic and expect to have good results. Right. Same thing happens with people's health journeys. Yeah. You know, it literally took me, to be in a dark place to go, okay, I need to start eating this way. I need to start meditating, taking care of myself here. I need to make time for me here. I need to do this. I need to do that. And then I'm ready for that conscious shift to go into that other place. Yeah. People, hopefully that's my number one thing I'm hoping with COVID is one community will come back twice as strong as it's ever been. And number two, people will start taking their, physical, mental, and emotional health in their own hands. Yeah. No, if anything, it has been a catalyst to show people how things have gone off the rails. Yeah. And I think COVID has accelerated a lot of those trends and it's shown people, whoa, this is a a lot of weird shit going on with politics, with the medical industry, and with, you know, our overall, like, civilization, like, where things are going, it seems to be going off the rails. Mm Mm-hmm. So either that's going to accelerate how quickly it goes off. Maybe that's part of the process is it has to derail. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's the wake-up call we need to, to correct course. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully people are smarter than me and don't need to hit that that bottom place before you make that big shift. And I know some people are, but most folks yeah. have to I think everyone, I think, drag across I think we're probably going to see some, some crazy shit still. Yeah. I think that's probably where we're headed. But um, you mentioned that you... Uh, you're doing a YouTube video. Do you have a channel? Yeah, yeah. It's the Hyperbaric Health Guru. That's my uh, it's my title on uh, YouTube. And then uh, with my business, it's just InsideOutHyperbarics.com. And uh, we got a lot of uh, good educational stuff on, on the website about how hyperbarics helps with, with health. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I strongly encourage anybody listening to check out Inside Out Hyperbarics if you've never tried hyperbaric oxygen. Um, I really enjoyed my session there. And, and like I said, if you're somebody who's like what Ryan and I were talking about, if you're somebody who's dealing with legitimate problems that you haven't been able to find a solution, you know, uh, especially if you think you might have Lyme's disease or anything like yeah. that, um, any, it's worth a try. Yes. <laughs> yes, it definitely is. And, you know, like I said, if, we know what we do really well and we and we offer that to folks and it really helps out with a lot of things but we have a network of unbelievable physicians and scientists we work with that we can we can get you the help you need awesome well dude you're a kindred spirit i'm i'm stoked to have talked to you Likewise. Uh, and hopefully we can do this again sometime okay sounds great bud thanks right. so much yep hey everybody christian here i hope you enjoyed this episode of the true north podcast and uh hope you We'll come down and check us out at True North Float. We have our first time floater package available now. Um, three floats for just 99 bucks for first timers. Um, and you can also buy those as gifts for, uh, for your friends, for your family. Uh, I know Christmas is coming up. The holidays are right around the corner. 
or I guess we're in it now and <laughs> we're in the thick of it. There's Christmas lights and shit. So we're in it. Um, we have gift cards available and you know, bet on yourself, uh, give yourself a gift. Uh, three floats for 99 bucks is the cheapest you'll ever see floats ever. And when you see our float tanks, you're going to wonder what we're thinking. Cause they're, uh, I mean, if you floated in pods, this is, this is a different animal, but yeah, I'm super stoked to have this float center, uh, built to have, you know, I feel like the float conditions are finally, everything's tuned in and, and everything is running great. And I am just now super excited to spread the word and get people in the door. So help us get the word out. Tell your friends. Come down. Check out True North Float. Peace.